0: So I had the flu for New Year's. That's how I spent my New Year's Eve in bed. You can probably still hear it. I was trying to wait to record this until I sounded a little bit better. And this is probably as good as it gets. Yeah, I I went to work. I had a full week of work last week. And I remember telling a client, I wish that I had taken this week off. Back before COVID, when my business was really, really busy, I would take off. A week between Christmas and New Year's because it just, I just naturally, you know, progressed, evolved into that. And I realized, you know, it wasn't a very popular week. Everyone was kind of just laying low at home and it was a great week to just have a break. And I forgot that because in 2020, obviously, we had the pandemic. 2021, my business was down like 80%, 75%. It popped up, you know, I had it was about 50% down in 2021, 2022, And this whole last year, I just drove myself to work as much as possible to get my business back on track where it was at least in 2019 before the pandemic. And I just realized last week before I got sick that I haven't taken a real break since May. And that was only about 5 days when I went to New Mexico just for a little quick trip. I did go on a trip in August, but it ended up being a really emotionally draining time, so I'm not even going to count that as a trip. It it was nice to take a break from work, but it was a lot of emotional labor. So, I'm not really counting that as a vacation necessarily. It was just very loaded. That being said, I haven't taken a break, like a rest, a real rest of a week or longer, almost a year and a half, probably. And I was feeling really tired. Was it Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday when I went to work. And then Thursday, I went to work. And after work, I came home, I had my normal evening, went to bed, and I woke up in the middle of the night. I think it was like three in the morning. And my body did not feel good. And I literally said out loud, Oh, no. Because I knew immediately that I was sick. And I sat there for like 30 minutes trying to figure out how I was feeling. And I realized I had the flu. I could tell. And I busted out my laptop and I emailed all my clients for the next two days, canceling all of my appointments just in one big email. And then I just fell back asleep. And when I woke up, it was like 9 a.m., I checked my email. No one had responded to any of uh, the emails that I had sent. And I ended up having to call everybody (laughs) individually. And at that point, I had such fatigue. My body was just like, you're not doing shit. You stay in bed. And I was so exhausted. But I had to call every single person because nobody reads their email anymore. Do you guys read your email? (laughs) I was like, oh my god when did email become an intrusion? It's <laughs> nobody reads this shit anymore. So I'm, I'm making independent individual phone calls to all of my clients. <laughs> that I have to cancel, with <laughs> trying to navigate all of this business stuff. And thankfully nobody was, you know, oh, well maybe one person was like trying to get me to reschedule in that moment. And I was like, I, it's not, I I, my eyeball's, more burning. I just couldn't look at anything. I had a headache that stretched from one temple to the other. And I felt like someone was just compressing my eyeballs. Just a tight squeeze of a headache that lasted from Thursday night, or I guess Friday morning, all the way until Monday. And um, I also ended up not even eating anything for all of that time. I think I ended up fasting for Was that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all the way until Monday, late afternoon, early evening. My first meal was about 5.30 on Monday. So that's a long fast. But I had no appetite. I had no appetite. If anyone's had this flu and their symptoms were like mine, I'm sorry. I think it's presenting differently for everyone. Mine felt like a, a tiny repeat of COVID which I had at the very beginning of the pandemic, before the pandemic even really started, like no one really knew what this thing was, but I got it in February of 2020. And I had it off and on for three weeks. And it floored me. It, it completely floored me. I was in my bed for the first four days. And my roommates would text me periodically and ask me if I needed anything. And they would check on me. And one of my roommates went and got me like echinacea and You know, cough drops and all this stuff. And I couldn't move. I was completely immobilized. And that's the same way I felt with this flu. In fact, I stayed in bed all day on Saturday, all day on Sunday, which was New Year's Eve. And I got up a little bit on Sunday, like, evening. But went right back to bed. And then Monday morning, I got up and I went to the grocery store because I was like, I didn't have anything in my fridge. I had planned on going to the grocery store on Friday. (laughs) So I didn't have anything in my refrigerator. I went to the store. I tried to drive to Trader Joe's. And then I was like, oh, it's it's New Year's Day. Nothing's open. I'm like, oh, shoot. I didn't think about it. Trader Joe's was closed. And then I drove to Costco (laughs) just to get gas. I kind of figured the store would be closed. But I guess I don't know. I thought maybe the gas station would be open. From all the way to Costco to get gas closed. And then I was like, what am I doing? I felt like I was driving around in a state of confusion. And I drove to the market near my house, which was totally open, busy with people. And I went in. I just got enough stuff to make my homemade chicken vegetable soup. And I went got back in my car. And as I, I turned my car on. And I turned to leave the parking lot. And as I got to the stoplight, all of a sudden, my check engine light came on. And I was like what is this shit now? And my engine starts to shake. And I thought my car was just going to die right there. I drove another block forward, another stoplight. My car is just like sputtering. It sounds crazy. Now, I've never had a problem with this car. It's in excellent condition. And it was very sudden. (laughs) And And I was like, just let me get across this intersection because I was crossing an extremely busy street, and I did not want to die in the middle of the road, still with the residual flu uh, virus in my body. And I managed to get across the street. I cut through the parking lot of another ga- another grocery store that connected to the street that I live on. So I had to go around and, like, down. and But I was able to cruise without putting my foot on the gas, and revving the engine. And I made it back to my house, parked in the spot that I was in when I left, looked at, I I looked into the hood. My whole engine was just shaking. And I just was like, I don't have the energy to deal with this. Shut everything down. I went upstairs, made some soup, took a nap. And my friend Tony, who is a mechanic, not professionally, but he works on his own cars. He said, Oh, that sucks. Here, you should get this tool. And he sent me a link to get this tool off Amazon that like is a diagnostics tool for your car. It came the next day. And the day after I recovered from the flu, y'all, I learned how to change my own spark plugs on my car. Now, maybe you're listening to this and you're thinking, whatever, no big deal, especially if you're a car person and you've done this kind of stuff, you're probably thinking, yeah, yeah, it's super easy. It took me hours to do it because it was actually a little bit trickier than I thought and I had to walk to the auto parts store because I didn't want to drive my car and cause damage so all the sparks all the coils by myself I had a little assistance from my friend I had some very excellent YouTube videos and by the end of the day I was freezing my ass off because it was really cold outside while I was doing this I was in the parking garage but I couldn't believe it I was like, "Look at me! I had the flu that knocked me on my ass for four days. Have only had a bowl of soup <laughs> in four and a half days, and I just did all this shit. I did a round trip walk to like a meandering walk just to like get out and get a walk again. And I ended up, you know, getting my parts at that point. So I did a 75 minute walk where I got my parts." came back. It was pissing rain at that point. It was freezing cold. And then um, I had to walk back again for a tool. But other than that, the whole process maybe took an hour. Um, Minus all the fits and stops. (laughs) I was trying to gather my stuff together and trying to work up the courage to actually like mess with my car's engine. But now that I've done it, I feel like the Queen of England. I mean, not to compare myself to the Queen of England, but she used to fix her own car too. <laughs> Long story short, um, what I'm saying is that for the new year, I'm just like the Queen of England. So I don't know if you guys are goal setters or intention setters or resolution setters when it comes to the new year, but I have You know, I've kind of been on and off with it. I tend to set a resolution, but I don't really think about it as a resolution anymore. I know a lot of people have talked to me about this and they say the same thing like, resolution, I don't like to set them because I always end up breaking them. They never last. I can never make it through, blah, 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 right? Everybody says the same shit. And it's like very negative connotation. And I get it psychologically, a resolution has like a firm. Foundation. There's rules and you must complete it. And there's, if you fuck up, then it's all gone. So you can't ever do it again, right? Like people give up. It happens all the time. So people don't really do resolutions anymore, I guess. They do like intention setting or some people do vision boards. Um, I like to set goals, you know, and intentions, but mine are a little different. So I don't do like um, anything really strict. I kind of do, like for 2023, my goal was to become consistent with my workout routine, right? Consistency. And the difference to me between a resolution to become more fit or uh, to lose weight, uh, especially a certain number of pounds, a resolution or a goal to do something that's got a specific marker point, right? Right. That to me is a little too rigid. I prefer flexibility and freedom around my goals. So phrasing it like that gave me like an open-ended process-based solution to the concept of setting a resolution, for example, or a goal or an intention. So I think it's more about how you phrase it the way you your mindset around it, right? Mindset is so critical when it comes to accomplishing something, starting something new and seeing it through, right? You don't have to compare yourself to anyone else, you don't have to do it in a certain time frame if you don't want to, you don't have to do it to a certain, you know, degree or point or whatever. You can just set a manageable goal. And for me, a manageable goal was to become more consistent with my exercise, my fitness. And I accomplished it, you know, I accomplished it pretty quickly. But the difference is like, consistency is like, showing up 24 days out of 30. But not quitting, you know, you still keep going. Whereas a lot of people will set a resolution or a goal to do it every day. And then they do it for 10 days, they miss a day. Well, I fucked up. And now they feel compelled to stop or they feel like, well, I can't do it now because I already missed a day. So might as well give up now. But that's not the best strategy for creating a a new habit or instigating change in your life. Because if you're too rigid with yourself, you're probably going to be disappointed. Let's face it. When it comes to like, for example, my, my, let's take my fitness goal from last year. Uh, When I set that goal, my goal was to become more consistent. Now, if I said, I want to do X every single day this year, that is my goal. I might have very easily fallen into a punishment mode, a self punishment mode, if I missed a day. But you can miss a day for any number of reasons. You know, what if you get a cold? What if an emergency comes up? What if you have to fly out of town suddenly? What if you know, anything could happen, anything could happen. So rigidity is not the the best friend of a long term goal, right? Flexibility is your your friend, for sure. So I started getting up in the morning and going for a walk every day. That was kind of my starting point. I wanted to be consistent as consistent as possible the first 45 days, because it really does take, you know, that long to really solidify a habit. And I'm set myself up for success. I put my workout clothes at the end of my bed, I wake up in the morning, immediately put my workout clothes on, go make myself a glass of water, make a little espresso, and just go hit the bricks, you know, grab my headphones, grab my keys, grab a coat, shoes out the door. And I started with 30 minutes, 30 minutes is nothing. And you can do anything for 30 minutes. Whenever I'm doing something that's hard, and I feel like I can't do it any longer. I just think I can do this for 30 minutes, or even sometimes I'm like, I can do this for 30 seconds. I can do anything for 30 seconds, you know? Sometimes if you start small, right? Like, okay, I'm going to put on my workout clothes. That's day one. You got your workout clothes on. You did it, right? Then day two, you put your workout clothes on and you put your shoes on. You did it, right? Day two. Day three. You put your workout clothes on. You put your shoes on. You put on your coat and your gloves. Done. Day three. Day four. Shoes, Clothes, shoes, gloves, hat, coat. Walk out the door. Walk to the end of the driveway. Turn around. Come back in. You see what I mean? Like you can break this down into as many small pieces as you want. And it still counts as consistent effort. Eventually, you'll be walking for an hour every day no problem without breaking a sweat. And you'll start to see those results stacking up. And then maybe like me, after you've done that for a couple months, maybe you'll start adding a few days of strength training in, you know, be like, ah, oh, I got a gym right here. I have a gym in my building. So I was like, well, let me just stop in there. Instead of going straight back up to my apartment after my walk, let's just stop in the gym. We'll do a pretty basic, maybe 20 minutes of strength training and then <clears throat> move on with my day. Did that for a few weeks and then got a little more intentional with my workouts, made them into 30-minute workout sessions. Then I actually found a, a trainer, an online trainer, and ended up starting a program where I was doing it five days a week. And I don't know why, but I loved it. It was so fun. I really liked the trainer. I liked the program, I liked the exercises, and within a month I started feeling strong. And once you start seeing these little accomplishments, these little goals piling up, um, it really solidifies your resolve. And you just got to appreciate every little step along the way. So I think the tendency is for people to get really down on themselves if they don't accomplish the goal immediately right out the gate. I think you've got to give yourself a little grace. And that's the trick to truly doing something amazing to truly accomplishing a minor goal or a major goal, a dream, maybe, right? Like baby step your way through the process. Take it as you need it. Pace yourself. Pace is important. Pace is maybe the most important. You're going to get there. You're going to finish. You have to pace yourself. I used to be a marathon runner and I always would do the math when I first started of every race, like what is the minimum pace that I need to meet in order to finish this race without being disqualified, right? I need to make it in time before the race calls it quits, right? There's always a a pace point. And I would try to hit that low point. And every time I would up level to a, a longer race, I would start that process again. You know, I would get better and better and better at say like a 5k. And so eventually I was doing a 5k in no time flat, 20 minutes. And then I would do a 10K and I would go right back to the starting point. A slow of a pace to maintain, to reach my goal before I'm swept from the race and so on and so forth. I did a marathon. Um, my goal for the marathon was my first marathon ever. I ran the marathon and I I did better than I thought I would do, but I aimed to finish and the finishing uh, time I needed, the pace I needed was 16 minutes per mile, which is a pretty brisk walk. <laughs> I mean, you you really, if you're like a speed walker, you could totally do this race. But it was also a wine tasting race. So I was tasting wine at all these amazing vineyards as I went through the race. Anyway, that's another story. But my point is, every great accomplishment is best reached through small achievable goals. So I hope that if you're planning on setting some goals for 2024, that you'll keep that in mind. You know, you are the pace setter, you decide how quickly or how slowly you want to accomplish it. And I think we all get trapped in this hustle culture where we feel like we need to be always doing something every moment of the day, every day. And we run ourselves so ragged that we end up, like me, on your ass for the weekend (laughs) of New Year's Eve, knowing that you should have taken some breaks and you didn't. And now you have a flu, which sucks. But I think it was perfect for me to end 2023 with a flu because. 2024 is about to go off, I can feel it. And I have some pretty big goals for 2024. So I hope that you guys have set some goals for yourself. If you haven't, it doesn't matter. You know, you don't have to have goals. And you certainly don't have to set them on New Year's Day. Like that's just a day. That's the Gregorian calendar. Who cares, right? You know, uh, by the, uh, the pagan calendar, they don't start setting those intentions and planning for the next year until spring. When the first buds come out of the ground, that is considered the new year of new life sprouting. So you can follow the pagan standards and just wait for spring to come. Take this time to really reflect on 23, you know, ease back into your life after the holidays, get back into your rhythm, you know, and then maybe think about it. What do I want? Make some plans. Why not? You are the architect of your life. And whatever you build, is what you're going to live in. So just remember that. All right, so I want to talk about autophagy today. I don't know if you guys have heard of this term, but autophagy is basically a process that your body undergoes where it is recycling old, damaged cells. It's basically your body taking out the trash. To reach a state of autophagy, it takes fasting, uh, truly, you have to fast. And learning to fast is actually a little easier than it might sound. Um, whenever I talk to people about fasting, some people do it, and they say the same thing that I did when I first started doing it. They thought it was going to be impossible, but they quickly realized that when they adopted the right dietary choices during their fasting process, learning how to do it and adapting their body to it, Uh, It really assisted the process in ways that they could never have imagined, right? Because, you know, when you eat a standard American diet, which is full of processed foods, chips, cookies, crackers, pastas, cereal, oatmeal for breakfast, sugary breakfasts of all kinds, very like densely fruity smoothies for breakfast that are just full of like fructose and sugars, Uh, and then like dessert and like multiple snacks a day. And you're eating basically from the time you wake up until almost the time you go to bed. That is a recipe for disease, because there are a lot of hours in a day. And the digestive process is extremely taxing on your body, requires the most energy of almost any process that your body undertakes in a day. So if you're constantly eating like every two hours or every four hours or every five hours, that's, I mean, if you're up for, the average person is up for like 16 hours a day. So that's what three, five, if you eat five every five hours plus a couple snacks, uh, that's three meals, two snacks. You're basically eating until at least an hour before you go to bed. And that is not long enough because your rest time is when you are fasting. That's why they call breakfast breakfast, fast, right? It's it's breakfast. You're breaking your fast. And you're only sleeping for, well, if you're eating the standard American diet, you're probably sleeping between five and seven hours a night, right? Especially if you drink alcohol, which so many people do, or eat very sweet foods, which many people do. And in, in fact, many people eat sweet foods that don't even realize that they're consuming sweetened foods because a lot of the sugars they're consuming are hidden sugars. And they don't know that that's what's in their food. I take a lot of pictures when I go shopping, like I had my tires replaced at Costco recently. And I was tooling around inside the store. And I was like, Oh, let me look at some what look like healthy options that say things like no sugar added or keto or keto friendly or paleo or whatever. And I love to look at those labels. And I take pictures because I think it's important for people to see how very diligent you need to be about reading labels. We're going to talk about this another day, but this has a lot of impact on your body's ability to adapt to a fasted state, even if it's intermittent fasting, which I I think is great. Everyone can benefit from intermittent fasting. Now, intermittent fasting, we talked about in the last episode, like the different levels of intermittent fasting, the different ways you can do it. So most people start off with, you know, 16 hours of fasting. So you sleep for like eight hours and then you wait for four hours after you wake up and you eat. So let's say you wake up at eight. Instead of eating right away at eight, maybe you have like a bulletproof coffee, right? A little coffee or espresso with some um, MCT oil in it and maybe some ghee, right? MCT oil is... Uh, Multi chain triglyceride coconut derived oil, and then ghee doesn't have any of the like lactose protein solids uh, from regular butter, and it's a pure fat, so it does not raise your glucose levels at all or your insulin, so it technically continues your fast. The cool thing about starting with that is that you start consuming ketones, right? MCT oil is basically like a fake out. It's like ketone introduction into your body. So it basically creates this very long sustained energy source. So if you have, I would even do this with my matcha. uh, And I have a couple of videos on my uh, Instagram page, if you want to check it out, where I show you how to make a bulletproof matcha latte. It's pretty simple. But you can do this with coffee, espresso, right? And some people will even just drink some MCT oil. I'm not that straight up about it. <laughs> uh, even when I travel, <laughs> I would rather just put it with some coffee or something. But um, that'll sustain you for four more hours. So you wake up at eight, let's say you wake up at eight. So 9, 10, 11, 12, 12 o'clock. That's when you eat your first meal. Boom. What is that lunch? Sure, we'll call it lunch. So lunch, you eat your lunch, you eat a nice lunch with plenty of Vegetables, maybe like a big ass salad or some roasted vegetables, something like that. Mostly vegetables. You're going to have like three to four ounces of protein, whatever that might be for you. Uh, And then you're going to have the best quality that you can buy, though, because this is very important and I'll get to this later. Quality matters, right? Quality matters with protein, especially. Uh, So, grass fed, wild caught, pasture raised, those are the terms you're looking for. And for beef, you're looking for grass fed, grass finished. That's important also, because often they will finish feeding the cows with grain to fatten them up right before they slaughter them. So hot tip, grass fed, grass finished. And then you want to have a nice something fat, like a good fat, no sugar. So you want to avoid sugar, you're cutting out sugar, you're cutting out snacks, you're going to get yourself down to three meals, then you're going to shorten that eating period, eating window, so that now you're eating two meals, right? So you're going to go at this very slowly. But research shows that by 12 to 16 hours, that's when your body starts to perform autophagy. So that's when you start really benefiting from the fasting state, your body is Uh, recycling damaged cells. After a while of doing intermittent fasting, you start to gain control of your hunger levels. So your ghrelin, which makes you feel hungry, is what is stimulated in the morning to get you to eat when you wake up. And your leptin is what makes you feel full. So a lot of people, these are out of whack. So you eat until you're over full because your leptin is not working properly. So it's not telling you when to stop eating. I'm full. It's not like, I'm full, stop eating. You just keep going eat, 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 eat. So people are just like bored, sitting on their couch, watching TV after work, eating snacks, 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 sometimes right until they go to bed. So if you're intermittent fasting, and you're starting with that 16, eight, you got an eight into eight hour window in your day to eat. So let's say, let's say you get up at eight. And let's say you eat your first meal at 10. Okay, let's say you wait for two hours, right starting point. So you eat at 10. Then you eat at like two. And then you eat at six. Boom. There you go. You had three meals. And then you fast from six all the way until the next day at 10. Then you start to push the breakfast and the dinner closer together till eventually you're just having two meals. Now you're having an 18 hour fast and a six hour eating window. This is where a lot of people find that to be the sweet spot, which this is completely manageable by most people. I was already at that state within the first three weeks of starting the process of ketogenic diet with intermittent fasting. It happens pretty quickly. Most people can get into ketosis within three to five days if you're relatively healthy. Now, if you have metabolic dysfunction, like pre-diabetes or diabetes, it's going to take you longer, all right? But don't give up, right? It, it will happen. It just takes patience and consistency, which we just talked about, right? Like small manageable goals. Maybe you do the three meals a day for the first month and you just see how it goes, see how you feel, cut those snacks out, change the types of foods that are on your plate during those three meals and focus on that. Once you've adapted to that and it becomes second nature and easy, about a month, maybe three weeks, then push those hours closer and try maybe a couple days of the week maybe three days of the week maybe do an 18 and six see how that feels but most people are going to be able to transition right you don't want to rush it but you don't have to like drag your feet you can you can kind of jump in right you just want to make sure that what you're eating is extremely nutrient dense this is critical because when your body goes into autophagy and it starts recycling all those old damaged cells, you don't want to have a lot of poor fuel in your tank. You know, if your car requires premium gas and you put regular gas in it, it's like filling your tank with potato chips. It's not going to like all the additives and the excess ethanol and whatever is in there. And it's probably going to wreak havoc on your fuel system, on your engine. So it's really critical to make sure that you are feeding yourself optimally. That means lots of variety of vegetables and greens. Make sure you're getting healthy greens in there. I like to add a little bit of like kale or chard or beet greens, beet greens are fantastic. Um, For sure, lettuce, I love a big salad. This is the easiest way for me to get a lot of vegetables is to make an absolutely enormous salad. But for example, this morning, I had an omelet. I was craving an omelet. I had three eggs. Uh, I whisked those up. I filled that omelet with shiitake mushrooms, some onion. Um, This is all sauteed, by the way, The, the onion, the broccolini and mushrooms. I sauteed separately. Added that, added some feta cheese. I added a whole entire chopped tomato and some fresh herbs. And then I added some pickled, homemade pickled onion, red onion to the top. That was the most delicious breakfast I've had in a long time because I'm usually a smoothie drinker. But that is a perfect example of how you can get a lot of vegetables and greens into one meal. It was simple. I didn't even have to add anything to the top of it. The pickled onions added just the perfect little flavor to the top. It was amazing. And then for lunch, I had a bad bowl of my homemade chicken vegetable soup that I made after my flu. And it doesn't have much fat in it. So I had to add I had to go to the store and get a little I like these sheep's milk yogurts that are plain and unsweetened. I got some of that got a couple drops of sweet of stevia in it to sweeten it because it does not raise your insulin. And I had that it was just the amount of fat that I needed to push through the rest of my day. And I'm not hungry. At night, I don't have any hunger whatsoever. I had a glass of tea uh, when I got home. And that's it. That's all I needed. So autophagy will start within 12 to 16 hours if you're eating this way. If you're eating a standard American diet and you're trying intermittent fasting, you're going to struggle. There's no question. Your body's not getting the appropriate nutrients. You might want to add a little more fat at the beginning to each of your meals. Don't add any snacks the key is to get rid of the snacking. So you're only digesting for these certain number of hours, then your body will digest your food. And by 12 hours after that meal, your body's in autophagy. So if you're doing a 16 hour fast, that gives you four full hours of autophagy, your body's getting rid of senescent cells, it's getting rid of old damaged tissues and cells, it's getting rid of old, you know, mutated proteins and cancer cells, your body will repair those tissues before they have a chance to overpopulate. So autophagy is a magical process. And your body does it on its own. It doesn't need prompting, it just needs the time and the proper nutrient foundation to make sure the process goes through without a hitch. So that autophagy, it's, it's wonderful. Um, I hope for everyone that you can experience what this feels like. You will have within a few months, your skin, your hair, your nails will be radiant. It is widely considered to be the fountain of youth, this autophagy process. So uh, we'll keep talking about intermittent fast. I'm putting together a program where, um, that you can join. It's a class. Basically, it'll be a 45-day class that will offer support and guidance for getting yourself into a successful intermittent fasting with ketogenic diet habit so that you can experience these benefits and start to heal these cells in your body and really bring your body back up to optimum health. And I have a bunch of little strategies that I'm taking notes about, and I'm going to have a few PDFs available and stuff. But I'm looking at doing it maybe at the beginning of spring, if not a little earlier. But um I'm putting it together now. If you're interested in something like that or you would love to have guidance from someone who has gone through all of this and done the hard work of having to do all the research to figure it out because when I did it no one was doing it. Uh, it was everyone thought I was crazy. But I have been doing it now for 6 years, 5 years and I've never felt better. And I have answers to so many people's questions that are just learning about it now. So if this is a supportive class that you would be interested in trying, let me know in the comments. I would love to know um, if you've tried it before and failed or succeeded. I would love to know how long you've been doing it or how long you did it before you quit or whether you have been curious about it. Let me know. I would love to hear. You can find me online, of course, at powerspaseattle.com to book services, or if you have questions for me, or if you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast, I'd be more than happy to. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye.